Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Calvary Bible Church, welcome in to another Beyond Sunday joking hour with me and the comedian, Dr. Reverend Pastor Randall Pelton. You ready for this? I am. Why are frogs always so happy? Well, because... They eat whatever pests them. <laughs> wow. That's a Maddie joke. Okay, Maddie's doing well. Mm-hmm. She's good at this. She is. Um, I've got a couple other up my sleeve. I have a Nate Eisenhower one coming your way soon. Wow. I so, can't wait for that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that's just, that's going to be exciting. <laughs> I almost want to tell it right now, folks, but I'm going to hold it. you got to come back another week. That's how you keep people coming back. Yeah. Some people think the theology. anticipation. Yeah. It's no. not the theology. No. 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 Goodness, no. Okay. Uh, so frivolity. <laughs> Listen, you brought this first question on yourself. Good. Um, it has nothing to do with your Sunday sermon. It has everything to do with the ABF hour. Yeah. So this is an ABF hour beyond Sunday question. So yeah. it's going to benefit a handful of you out there. Mm-hmm. And for those uh, who weren't in the class... You'll you'll get it anyway. So, uh, the question came in about Genesis six. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Randy, you made the off comment about mm-hmm. Goliath being a descendant of the Nephilim. Uh, I heard this before, but have always been confused about that. So I thought I would ask. I'm confused because how can Goliath be one of their descendants when the event in Genesis six occurred? I, I know before the flood. Isn't that great? Yeah, the flood wiped out every other person on the earth except Noah and his family. I know, so, I know. how is this possible? Nephilim being the early Genesis six, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these sons of God, you know, what's it say? They knew the the daughters of men. Well, yeah, the sons the of God see the daughters of men that they're beautiful, and so they take any of the wives that they want. Right, and is these... the opening, and then a little bit later, a few verses later, the Nephilim are there. Yeah, so I'll let you give any background you want to give there. And I don't need to give question. any background, but answer the question. If, you're, um, if you track the use of the Nephilim in the Old Testament, one of the strange things is that they show up before the flood and also after the flood. So that's one of the reasons why it's so difficult to identify them mm-hmm. is that there's something about their makeup that can allow them to exist post-flood. Now, I, don't, I have not memorized the text, but I can tell you that if you search, just do a word search, the Nephilim show up after the flood. So they become, they become uh, an entity, uh, part of the population post-flood, and if they are linked, I believe my comment was about um, they are a part of a family, I think, known as Anak. And so that's the connection. If there's a connection to Goliath, that's the, that's the connection to Goliath. Okay. And then I think, it's, uh, I think uh, Nathan Seipel will remember this. He uses the New King James. So the New King James will actually translate the Nephilim as giants. And so it's, a, it's actually a stronger connection in his version. But you'll see the Nephilim before the flood and after the flood, which raises other kinds of questions. But that's the answer to that question that they're so asking. So remind me, does the term Nephilim 
come up in that same context when the sons of God mm-hmm. see the daughters of men. Yeah, so the first verse uh, lists everything as the sons of God, but then a little bit later, there's the reference to the Nephilim being on the earth. They're men of renown and yeah. so forth. So they're in that same context of this is the kind of population that has exploded, including uh, extreme the explosion of stream, extreme wickedness. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you still have any questions, see Randy. Probably not, but thanks. (laughs) Whoever asked, thanks. Yes. Um, So let's get into Psalm 77, Mm -hmm. uh, verses 19 through Psalm 78, 72. I know. What a section. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what a section. Um, Now, I appreciated it, though. Um, So I'd like to get into it because your point number one was the way that God leads us. and I think there's a direction I want to go, but let me start off by just asking, how have you or how do you counsel people to sense God's leading, God's guiding, directing? So God, um, do you mm-hmm. want me to read any of that? I have it in front. I have the t- if it's from the verse. Yeah, 19 and 20. Uh-huh. Your way was through the sea, your mm-hmm. path through the great waters... Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Yeah. So. So how do you? Yeah, how do we sense God's guidance? Yeah, I think I think before before I would use the word sense, I, I think uh, you know, take yourself for an example. You're you're walking with the Lord this week. The first thing is. Do you have? Do you believe in the sovereignty of God? I would start yes. there. Actually, I would I would use. And the when if you're part of the Wednesday night prayer group, then you might recognize the word providence along with sovereignty. So I, I think I would start with that. I would start with let's mm-hmm. let's begin with a foundation of faith in the sovereign in the sovereign work of God, the providential care of God in my life, in your mm-hmm. life. So start there with that very foundational faith. Mm-hmm. Do I believe that my God is controlling my life? For good, do I do I believe that? I, I, I would start there as um, that's a fact. There is no such thing as a child of God who does not experience the leading of God. That's an impossibility. I mean, that's like, God, and I read uh, Derek Kidner this morning um, in, in a different psalm, for Psalm 80, for coming up this Sunday, and it, it was something along the lines of God. God is not the type of God who begins to work in you and then loses interest. And I, I thought that was mm-hmm. so insightful to me to think he doesn't lose interest in you. So start with that basic foundation of that kind of belief. That's Then if you get to the sense part. Yeah, sense or just know. How do you know God's guiding, well, I, I, leading? You know he is because of his word. And that's a very, um, you know, kind of that basic evangelical response. The scriptures, the history uh, recorded in scripture tells you that God is uh, is guiding you, period. Um, you, you and I can reject that, uh, sadly, in, in, you know, all through the week. But uh, if we want to start with, an, you know, how do we know it? Right, because, I mean, here the psalmist, Asaph, is mm-hmm. uh, speaking of when God parted the seas. Mm-hmm. I haven't had any seas part for me. Yeah. I haven't had a pillar and a fire you know, yeah. leading me through the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michelle and, and Rick Goodhart on Sunday after the service, 
the three of us were chatting for a moment, and both of them said, it would be so much easier to pass this down to the next generation if we could look back and tell about a miracle like that. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. So um, one of the things you talked about early on, kind of indirectly, was children of Abraham. Yeah. I think being children of Abraham and seeing Mm -hmm. ourselves Mm -hmm. in that family tree. You know what that reminded me of? Mm -mm. A song. A little children's song. Father Abraham. Father Abraham, Abraham right? Yeah. It's a good song for those kids to get some wiggles out because uh, they have them. Yeah. Um, but to to take from that song just the simple truth that I am a spiritual, I'm in the same spiritual family as Abraham. Mm-hmm. And so spiritually speaking, I fall in the generations of Abraham and to not forget that. And so yeah. their story of the, the Red Sea and the wilderness and everything thereafter that's my story, that too. That is your story. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. So, I mean, you, you could say, yeah, yeah, you actually can report on that miracle, and it is a part of your heritage. Yeah, it's they not were, recent. They were, yeah, but... they were asking more of, like like you know, they were asking more of, boy, I wish I had one of those miraculous. My comment back is, you know, your conversion story is a greater miracle than the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, it takes someone that's spiritually dead, the uh, most important part of their being, their spirit— totally unresponsive to the most important being in the universe, God. Mm-hmm. You go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. That's a miracle greater than, and theologians have said this mm-hmm. forever, that's a greater miracle than the parting of the Red Sea. Yeah, and that's a personal story. And it also, um, for as great as those miracle stories are, they were forgotten mm-hmm. a generation later. They did. You know, so How could they? But they did. Despite being as... Yeah. Close to it as they were, yeah. that didn't lead to, you know, yeah. great faithfulness and obedience. No, and I, I would go back, let me go to your sensing, uh, the way you worded that. I, You know, for me personally, I think what you're looking for is you're looking for evidence in your past that uh, the Lord has guided your steps in your decision-making. For me, major decisions were made at critical moments, and it was clear that God was leading because now today I can look to those decisions and say, yes, that was a deliverance uh, for me. Um, and if you're thinking about your day-to-day, and I think this is harder, um, you know, for me to try to, to you know, how do I sense God's leading for me today? Uh, I'll go back to a couple of things. Number one, I do believe that I am made for him. Number two, he has work for me to do, and um, I... I know he's leading me because I'm actually doing those things. Mm-hmm. And I'm, of course, I'm just one person. You, you have your own, your own path that you're on with God, but you do have to believe that you, he made you for him. And um, second, that means that he's got, a, he's got work for you to do this week. Yeah. Now, I mean, how, that's how you sense his leading, is that you're actually on a path with him. So now let me get back to your sermon title and ask this question. How mm-hmm. do we make sure that we don't repeat history in our faith journey? Yeah, the, the thing that plagued me the most in this, and so I, you know, you look at the, the uh, verse, verse 7 and 8, especially verse 8, that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, 
whose spirit was not faithful to God. So I, I look, I, and I had that highlighted for a long time, mm-hmm. anticipating coming to this psalm. Verse 8 to me is the, is the critical, um, what would you call it, a point of evaluation, that in my heart, stubbornness and rebellion has to be put to death. Uh, I was reading early, early this morning. Uh, my own readings were, were took me to Colossians, I think it was chapter two and three today, as part of my readings. And there's there's the strength of put to death these sins. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, how do, how do I keep history from repeating itself? I must continue to yield to the Spirit of God in me, so the stubborn streak, the rebellious streak keeps um, keeps on being put to death. That, so for me, is a, is a way to do that. Why are you not telling me to listen to my f- spiritual forefathers and tell my children? Well, I wanted to start first with, uh, I have to have, um, I have to uh, look at my heritage and say, mm-hmm. this stubborn streak is in me. Sure. So yeah, I want to start okay. with myself and say I am, I am actually learning from history. Mm-hmm. I know what my parents are like, therefore I am going to fight against those. And it, it, I used that illustration on Sunday, you know, and I, it, actually I didn't, it wasn't an illustration, it was true. It was, yeah. it was the reality of the, you know, we're in a family, so we, we resemble our fathers and our mothers. And so, you know, today it's, when I am cognizant of a particular tendency in my family, I need to shut that down if that's ungodly, an attitude or an action or, or whatever. So, so that's the reason why I would start with that for me. Recognizing then, that our human family yeah. has a sin problem. Yeah, and, and our spiritual heritage is this stubborn rebelliousness, mm-hmm. which, which was throughout the Old Testament. So I recognize that in myself first. But then the other, the other question is, and, and I actually, and someone already responded this week uh, this way. Uh, the other thing is, where, where do I have the opportunity to keep passing, passing along the story? Yeah. You know, that's, that's where, you know, whatever your stage of life, there, there, there may be times when you can rehearse the history and uh, you do so for the same reason, so that they should not be like, you know, mm-hmm. that's why we're doing it. So Yeah, and, uh, and I'm pretty sure this came up in the lengthy podcast last week with Dr. Patrick. Was that a long, was that, Pat, that just, was a long podcast? Just a little. I am Didn't shocked you listen by that. To it? Oh, no. No, I don't <laughs> listen to any of these. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just talking about, I think it's Deuteronomy 6, you know, the Shema, tell your children. Yeah. Um, and so that came up just in, in passing. But yeah, do do just that. Tell tell your children. Mm-hmm. I'm reading a book uh, called The Intentional Father. Yeah. And one of the sections that we just read talked about letting your kids know about your history, yeah. your family history. Yeah. And spiritually speaking, um, I was just impressed with that idea of giving my kids a grounding uh, to to kind of know who they are mm-hmm. in this world that's so fleeting and, you know, 300 fen- friends on social media and stuff comes and goes. And who mm-hmm. are they? Who are you? Who, who am I? Mm-hmm. Part of who I am is grounded right here as being a part of the family of God. And so to 
be intentional about telling my kids my own faith journey stories and where I've seen the Lord work and move and guide so that they know what God has done in me and what he's done throughout history in our spiritual family. I just thought that was important. It is. That's good. I know you're doing that with some other men, too, as a part of a disciple-making regimen. I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's certainly putting into practice what Psalm 78 is doing. Yeah, and I just think stories have a way of sticking. Uh, they stick with us in ways that uh, you know, facts and statistics mm-hmm, don't. Mm-hmm. Um, they're powerful. Um, yes, they are. And it's so easy to let, I think, time go by with your kids or grandkids, whoever you have time with, and just talk about you know mm-hmm. meaningless things. Yep. And it's funny sometimes to watch a conversation you know, kind mm-hmm. of work its way through when you're in you know, with someone else or a group of people. Yeah. Um, and I, I've seen some people, uh, you, you, some people are really good at it. My father-in-law, for example, he's really good at just, some of this stuff's really important to him and he just talks about it and he just, he there's yeah. no segue that's no, not smooth. He's just like, is. let's talk. Um, and I think that's great yeah. because it's important to him and we, sh- we probably ought to talk about the things that are important to us more than we do, mm-hmm. including that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I was just thinking about being intentional with our conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts? No, not really. I think we hit you know some of the more some, you know more important parts of that lengthy psalm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I one of the things I came away thinking was, am I telling the story? And we closed. You know, we didn't close, but we did sing the song early in the service. Mm-hmm. I love to tell the story, and I was asking myself that question at the end: Am I telling? Mm-hmm the story Mm -hmm. um, like I ought to for my own good and for the good of those around me. Yeah, the only other thing that that I would say is just remember that in in a psalm like this that rehearses the tragic spiritual um, state of Israel, God's Mm -hmm. people, just remember uh, verse 38, the, the yet he being compassionate part atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. And as I pointed out on Sunday, you know, we're the ones that forget all of his miracles. But the next verse, verse 39, says he remembered that we are but flesh. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the great things about these Psalms is the reality of our dysfunction spiritually is now matched by God's compassion for us and his ability, of course, to, to love us despite the stubbornness and rebelliousness, he loves us, he's compassionate towards us. And I hope you feel that. I mean, today, you know, along with sensing his guidance, sense his compassion, look at what he's done, look at the way he treats us as we continue this uh, pig-headedness in our, in our lifetime. We fight against it, but it's still there. And his compassion stays, he's patient. He, I love the thought, right? He restrains his anger often. Uh, I'm, I'm glad he, I'm glad yeah. he does. Long suffering. Oh, I'm glad he. I'm glad he's that way, and I, I hope you feel that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great way to worship during the week too, you know, just to praise him for his compassion. Yeah. So we've got a good, compassionate, faithful, slow to anger God. Yeah. 
Uh, so let's ground ourselves in that, remind ourselves of it, praise him for it, remember the ways in which he's worked throughout history, yeah. tell the story, remind ourselves of the story. Yeah. The language is strong to remember from Sunday. So here we are unfaithful to the covenant. That's back up in verse 8, I believe. So if you have, um, you know, if you, if you look at the end of verse 8, whose spirit was not faithful to God. In the language of the Old, in, in, the, in Old Testament language, uh, our unfaithfulness is, is seen as breaking of the marriage vows. Mm. So you have our unfaithfulness, and yet, God is faithful to us, and right. so it's a it's powerful language. He keeps the covenant, even though we break it regularly. And thank the Lord that's part of the salvation package for us that we have in Christ. Good. Well, hopefully this has uh, been a helpful conversation for you to live and worship beyond Sunday. Yeah, I've uh, enjoyed it. Good. Thanks. Yeah. Do you want another joke? I don't. Okay. I'll well, save you. next thank week. You. Next week, folks. Um, if this podcast has raised any other questions for you, feel free to email those in, podcast at cbcmj.com. And as always on Sundays, as we're listening to the sermon, um, just shoot those questions our way. We're happy to discuss them and uh, include them in the joke session. Okay, <laughs> thanks. See you guys. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday.